Hey there, welcome to the Doing Good Business Podcast, hosted by Kelly Stewart, business strategist helping companies to do good in all aspects of their business, and me, Laura Heacock, a leadership coach helping professionals bring kindness into business. Doing Good Business is a podcast for leaders who want to bring their whole selves to work and create companies that make a real difference in the world. Welcome, everyone. This is Kelly Stewart of the Doing Good Business Podcast with... Laura Heacock. We're switching it up today. We certainly are because our special guest today on this episode of Doing Good Business is our very own Laura Heacock. Yay! Yay! (laughs) It's so awkward to be the interviewee on your own podcast. (laughs) Don't worry, Stuart, you're next. (laughs) Oh, me and my big ideas. So um, we love having you here today, or shall I say, I love having you here today, Laura, on our show. And um, in addition to who you already know Laura to be, our fabulous, witty, thoughtful co-host of the Doing Good Business podcast, there's much more to Laura Heacock. And so just as we ask all of our guests to do, Laura, I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell us a little bit about your background. Awesome. Thanks, Kelly. You're welcome. Uh, So I am the resident leadership coach of Doing Good Business podcast, um, also of other places, I am editor-in-chief for an online uh, personal development magazine called kindovermatter.com. I'm author of the book Practical Kindness, and I, as my business card says, am the kindness and business ambassador. I love that. That's my jam. I love that. And so we're not going to keep people in the dark or in suspense for too much longer. How did you get here, Laura? <laughs> What drove you to be the kindness ambassador? So uh, the Reader's Digest version, and what's funny is uh, just a couple years ago, I had this realization that when I was in fifth grade, I actually received a Lions Club award for citizenship for being like one of the kindest kids in the grade, which is really funny now that I think about that. Foreshadowing. Yeah, exactly. Um, But back in the like 2013-ish, 12-13 era, I was in total career dissatisfaction, like super burned out, was looking for something else, nothing felt right, yada yada, had gone to grad school, open houses, had looked for new jobs, nothing was great. Had started following some coaches online, just Mm. reading their blogs. This was back in the time when blogs were like a big deal. And uh, started following a woman. She offered a coach training program. I applied for it, I got accepted, and it was one of the like decisions I can count on one hand that I did not take the time to overthink and talk myself out of. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And at the same time, because I do believe in synchronicity, a friend of mine called me and said, hey, my friend Amanda, you know, she runs that site kind of a matter. She's looking to transition out. And I felt like I should tell you. So at the exact same time that I had been accepted into a coach training program, I had the opportunity to take over kind of a matter. So I love that. Through my own journey, through coach training, I really settled into this whole concept of how important self-kindness is so in mm-hmm. you know kind of a matter we I, I there's a Pema Chodron quote Pema Chodron quote where she says uh, compassion for others begins with kindness to ourselves and I really have just seen that become more and more true mm-hmm. the more of this work that I do I think that's really important I'm glad you brought it up because that's one of the things when we first met which might surprise our audience to know was really not all that it long wasn't. ago. It wasn't. It was just like the summer of 18. <laughs> exactly. And it was just one of those, how did I describe it? A fearless love. <laughs> we were just instantly attracted to one it another, was. finishing each other's sentences. So that was awesome. And um, But what I loved immediately about what you were talking about was this notion of self-kindness. Mm-hmm. Uh, hypothetically, because maybe it was missing from my life. It's just not something that either as Kelly Stewart or as a woman or as Mm -hmm. a woman of my age, my very young age, um, that 
I didn't even give that a thought. That yeah. sounded like a completely foreign concept to me. Mm-hmm. So talk to us a little bit about the importance of self-kind. Well, what is it even? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, for sure. Right. So to me, self-kindness is is filling your pitcher. You know, oldest analogy in the book, but you can only pour so much from a pitcher. If you have a literal pitcher of water, you can pour so many glasses before it's empty. And energetically, I think we all have that pitcher of water. And I think, as you mentioned, particularly as women, but men, I have a lot of male clients that are in a very similar boat. We are so conditioned to give to others and say yes to ourselves or to other people. And the consequence of that, if we don't consciously take the time to refill the pitcher, is burnout. Um, And look, I hit it myself. That's how this all came out. In 2014, um, I was in coach training. I was working a super stressful commission job. I had just started Kind of a Matter. I'd never blogged a day in my life. I had just taken it over. I decided I was going to do a 365 days of kindness project where every single day in 2014, I was going to do a kind act for someone else. Well, guess what? Round about March, I was like losing my stuff and I Uh, could not even think of anything kind to do for anyone because I was so burned out. And I started Self-Kind Saturday and I did it with such shame Mm. and such fear of what are they going to think of me? I'm supposed to be doing this project for everybody else this whole year. Hmm. You can't even get that right. How dare you take a day to yourself? But I was so... I was so burned out. It was like, literally, there was no choice. And I was just like, I'm not going to give up this project. So I'm going to morph it to make it fit what I need. And mm-hmm. Self-Kindness Saturday was born. And then for the rest of that year, every Saturday became Self-Kindness Saturday. The whole rest of the week, I was still right. doing the other act of kindness. But that really became, that was my wake-up call, right? That was sure. my wake-up call to the thing that like, oh, crap, I got to do something for me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point in my life, I promptly turned and, and ran as far from corporate America as I could. I like to say I had visions of, like, you know, crystal malas and linen pants all day long. But what I started to realize <laughs> over the years is my clients were, the people that I did the best work with were in a very similar position to me. Right. They'd hit burnout for some way, shape, or form. They were in some form of leadership. They were mid-career. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't know what was next. Maybe they thought they needed to change jobs or they thought they needed to go back to school. But really, the crux of it was burnout and my experience was that kindness had become that antidote I love that so I was going to ask you what did you do to prepare for this role but let's see so you you went <laughs> made some for, mistakes for co- you made some mistakes did you went for coaching things. right right um uh, coaching experience mm-hmm. training but I love this right because you really just you did walk your walk which oh, yeah. is a big part of what you talk about yeah. right how do you walk your walk talk your talk so you really did go to the mountain relatively mm-hmm. speaking mm-hmm. and say oh wow and you experienced it you were already experiencing corporate America and then before you went out to preach you practiced it right right, right? exactly that, and exactly. so and that's how not we learn. even and yeah and not by design like no. none of this you know mm-hmm. was a design plan and I wouldn't have if you had talked to me in 2012 or 13, I wouldn't have said like, oh, I'm really burned out. I need to take care of myself. I didn't have that language. I didn't right. know what I was feeling. So all I knew to do was to change something. So I was right. running around try- and like, thank goodness I had just the wherewithal to figure out none of these changes feels right. You know, I didn't take another job at the time. I didn't take, um, I didn't go back to get yet another degree. You know, mm-hmm. the coach training was the right thing, but it was a lot of no's that came up you know, along mm-hmm. that search, I, I was just seeking, I was looking for something sure. and I didn't know what it was. And thankfully I had some sense of intuition and didn't follow any of those things that didn't feel right. So then the thing that did feel right came along and it was just so instantaneous. Wow. Yeah. That's good. It was nice. That's good. Grateful. So when we think about kindness, mm-hmm. right, and we're talking about whether it's an individual, mm-hmm. um, and maybe I should ask this, do you talk about 
when you're coaching and they're people in business, if, especially if they're business leaders, yep. um, but do you talk about how they can bring kindness as a practice into their organizations mm-hmm. at all? Does that happen? I'll, I'll let you answer that because I've got a bigger question. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Yeah. So I work, so the leaders that I work with in, um, you know, private clients, I get to have the bird's eye view and I get to see the ripple effect of the work that they do personally and how it impacts their business, how it impacts their teams, how it impacts their organizations. So I talk to leaders, you know, about all of those things, right? Because I I believe in a very holistic model. Work impacts life. Life impacts work. We have to look at all things in equal measure as they come up in order to make real um, progress. So, yes, I have the privilege of seeing how the work an individual does with themselves impacts all of the areas of their life. A lot of that comes out in work. And when it comes to companies, we do think about what does it look like to have a culture of kindness Mm -hmm. and what does that actually mean? Right. Okay. So... My bigger question around that is, it seems to me, whether speaking to individuals or companies, this may happen. You can tell me if I'm Mm -hmm. right or wrong, share this with the audience, but how do you do this when, in general terms, everyone seems to be overwhelmingly drawn to Mm -hmm. the negative, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's what we're shown every day in so many ways. If it bleeds, it leads. If it bleeds, it leads. Find the pain points, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's been a business paradigm for forever. Find the pain points, right? But it's not always about the pain. Sometimes it's about improving the wellness, right? Right. (laughs) Right. But regardless, I think that we do all have kind of this negative bias where Mm -hmm. we're just drawn to it. And that, and you and I have talked about it, uh, when you're not our our guest on the Mm -hmm. show, uh, you and I have talked about that kind of, you know, fear, fight, or flight, Mm -hmm. that we are drawn to things, we're wired to be drawn to things that are perceived as a threat to our existence, right? right? So when you see that negative headline, or you hear that negative article or story, whatever, you do, you kind of plug into it, because mm-hmm. you're like, whoa, is that going to affect me mm-hmm. or not? But so knowing that we bring all of that kind of junky garbage Stuff, with yep. us, mm-hmm. <laughs> junky negative garbage with us, right? How do you break through? Is it hard? Mm-hmm. Do Does it take people a long time to really wrap their heads around Oh no! Wait, self kindness. Right. I not only can I do this, and I know we don't really like to use should, should too much, but I should do mm-hmm. this. It is beneficial. Mm-hmm. Let's say it this way: it's beneficial to do this. Right. How do you work that? Do you even see that as a problem, or mm-hmm. people just like, oh, thank goodness, someone's giving me something positive <laughs> to hang my hat on? So I will say, like, never in the six years I've been doing this has someone come to me and said, like, I really need some more self kindness. Is that that's why I want to hire you? <laughs> But what people do come to me, like you said, is their problem, right? Like we all, you know, we're human. I don't take action unless the pain is too great for me to bear. So I need to find something. So people know they need a coach. Maybe they know somebody that had a coach, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they are typically in some form of burnout. A lot of people come to me saying, I need to change jobs. Or Mm -hmm. I've lost myself. I don't know who I am Mm -hmm. anymore. I don't know what my next step is for the first time in my life. And it really just comes down to that you know, that living in this place of just prioritizing everything else and not doing anything for yourself. So, so again, they're coming to me kind of with a problem or the pain point, And my solution then is based in self-kindness. So how I do that is a little bit of education. You had mentioned negativity bias. It's a right. thing. I believe it's the Gottmans that have research on that. It's approximately five to one. We're five times more likely to hang on to the negative than the positive. Wow. Um, and then some boundaries, um, really looking at you know, what is it that makes it so hard to say no? You know, what is the belief that's in place? What's the story, right? Our brains please, are hard. Please tell us yeah. because I'm sitting here going, yes, no, please. <laughs> we're hardwired. <laughs> yeah, we're hardwired for story. You know, our brains are, you know, essentially calculators that are programmed to fill in the blank. So you, you know, can't get from A to C. Your brain's going to come up with B and just throw it in there. So it's really looking at like, what are the stories that I've created? You know, my story was, 
if I, my personal story, if I can be everything to everyone, then I'm okay. Right. Then I have value. Then I will be liked. Mm-hmm. Then I won't be alone. You know, it mm-hmm. all goes there. There's some research that says that basically everyone has the same three fears: death, being alone, and I forget what the third one is, honestly. But like, really, it comes for me, up, frogs. Yeah. But, okay. <laughs> Really, that's frogs aren't universal. Um, oh, rats. I know. But so really, so that was my story, right? So I had to look at that. I got some education along the way, but really questioning like, okay, where did that come from? And how is that showing up now? And mm-hmm. then how do we make different choices? I find that understanding the root of why we do what we do and why we think what we think is super powerful. Um, and that's not to say that we spend a lot of time, you know, like navel gazing and digging up the stuff in the past, but it is important to understand how the past is impacting the present. I think we're putting navel gazing in the show notes. Navel gazing. <laughs> um, we understand how the past is showing up in the present. Like once you have that to me, you can start to take your power back because it then is not an automated way of showing up in life. It is something that you can see, oh, well, that's just that thing that like, I was 12 years old when that happened, and my 12-year-old kid brain translated it to mean X, which has now carried me to my 42-year-old, you know, mm-hmm. grown-ass woman brain, right, and maybe right. I could look at that and make different choices, but when you don't understand it, or you when you don't question it, well, true, you just right. assume that it's true, because our brains are, you know, again, story-making And you should machines. question it, right? right? Because it should be this process of, okay, does this still serve right. me or not? Right. In some cases, maybe it is still serving you or some other exactly. form of it could serve you. Exactly. Um, but in most cases, what I find as I go longer down my journey of yeah. life, right, is that most things just don't serve me anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's because so much has changed, mm-hmm. right? And so. if you don't ever question that, you know what I mean? Like the client that said to me, you know, we started working together and I ask a series of questions to kind of like set us up for, for the work that we're going to do together when it's one-on-one. And um, one of those is like, what are your th- like top three goals? Like, what do you want to get out of the next six months of your life? And and the answer was, I want to find, I don't know who I am anymore. You know, the mm-hmm. last time I really felt clear on who I was, was 15 years ago when I had finished this program and I turned down this job that I regret turning down to the day, to this day. Mm-hmm. And how do we then figure out who we are in this moment in time? And it seems like, well, you should just say like, okay, well, who are you? But there's so much more to it than that. And there's so much to to look at and figure out. And, you know, lo lo and behold, I sat with that person just this week and he was able to answer the question of who are you? And there was just a lightness that had come back and the stress had gone down and burnout was the thing. And there was a plan, you know, we had a long-term goal that he'll continue to work towards. We have a short-term interim goal of, you know, some things that are happening. And like all of this evolved from simply getting back to this place of looking at how do I show up for myself in the same way that I have for 50 plus years showed up for everyone else? Oh, wow. Powerful. Yeah. it's yeah. awesome. So what are some things that people can do to cultivate self-kindness mm, for, yeah. the, for those of us whom that is an unfamiliar concept? You know, um, whether that's in business, you know, some things come to me right away, like, oh, delegation, time mm-hmm. management, right? And those are all mm-hmm. the things I think historically in business, you're like, oh, yeah, that's nice to have, but I'm, I'm too busy. Yeah, I'm too busy to have time right? management. I'm too yeah. busy to delegate, yeah. right? Or, or no one's going to do it as well, and I'm just mm-hmm. going to have to redo it anyway, so I'm going to save time if I just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there are other resources out there for people, but if there's a cost attached to it, lots mm-hmm. of times they feel 
that uh, that's a sacrifice or they right. shouldn't be doing that, right. which doesn't seem very kind, mm-hmm. right? Because not only to themselves, but there are so many people out there in the gig economy mm-hmm. who would love to have business leaders who are feeling a little overwhelmed as their clients. Sure. Because they do. They have nice, really niche skills mm-hmm. that they do. It's what they live to do. Mm-hmm. And so share that love, right? Yeah. Give, give them some of that work to free yourself up. But what are some of the other things that you see from what would be one or two things we could do for to improve our self-kindness. Yeah, for sure. So I would say, so I'm going to speak to new leaders first. And, and when I say new leaders, mm-hmm. I, I'm typically thinking of a, a corporate leader. Those are the people that okay. I'm typically working with. My background is 20 years in corporate America. So new leaders, I find, are so susceptible to burnout because their, their safe zone, their comfort zone, mm-hmm. is being in the weeds and is still doing the work. Yet suddenly they're supposed to manage all these people that maybe like a week ago were their peers and what do we do? mm -hmm. So we try to juggle all of those things where I'm going to try and keep doing the work, but I'm still going to try and manage you, but I still want to be your friend, Friend. but I don't know how to show up. So I say for leaders like that, the biggest thing that they can do is first of all, just cultivate that awareness, like recognize Mm -hmm. that there is discomfort in stepping into the role of someone's boss when a week ago you were their peer and give that voice, you know what I mean? Right. Have a meeting, have your one-on-ones with each of your people to start and set the stage and just speak into that. You know, hey, I know that this is different for both of us and I just want to acknowledge that it's okay mm-hmm. if it's uncomfortable at times for on either side. Um, and one of the first things that I love to do with new leaders is have them do a love and loathe list. So take a piece of paper, draw a line vertically down the middle And on one side, write love. On the other side, write loathe. And think about your day in the life at work. Mm -hmm. What do you love to do? What do you loathe to do? Bonus points if you give this to your people as their first assignment before their first one-on-one. Oh, smart. Then you start to put the right people in the right seats on the team. You start Mm -hmm. to figure out what do you need to delegate, stuff on the loathe side. Mm -hmm. What do you need to expand on? Mm -hmm. And you start to shape the culture of your team. You start to shape a culture that obviously we're always going to have to do something that we loathe. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's life. I am very pragmatic and I understand that like you're never going to have a life that's fully like, you know, it all sparks joy, Marie Kondo. You know, there's always going to be some stuff that you loathe. But when you can start to set that as the culture of your team, you start mm-hmm. to get yourself out of that individual contributor mindset into mm-hmm. that leadership mindset. And you start to shape the work in a way that is being done in an innovative way that people are excited about. And it gives them some language mm-hmm. to come to you around like, eh, this isn't maybe the best fit for me. Maybe right. Sue could do this. Or right. you get to go to them and say... I noticed you have this on your love list. It's on my loathe list. So let's talk about how we can switch that up. Exactly. Yeah. Great. And and what would your advice then be for an established mm-hmm. leader? So in established leaders, I found that they are just, God, I hate to say this, but like that drone mentality, yeah. you know, the Dilbert, like just another day, yeah. you know, yeah. office space kind of mentality. And like a bad day really, of fishing is better than a good day. Of yeah, work, right? the whole thing. And really, like they have lost that connection to why they do the work mm-hmm. and and what is important to them outside of work, because nine times out of 10, there is nothing outside of work. It's it's right. I call it the lather, rinse, repeat life. You get up, you get ready. Maybe you get the kids off. You go to work. You come home. Mm-hmm. You check email again. You go to sleep. You repeat. And there is nothing else. So most of the work I do with established leaders that are like hitting some point of burnout or just not sure who they are, not sure what their next step is, is about reconnecting to themselves. You know, reconnecting to what are the things that you used to love to do? Oh, you used to love to uh, write poetry. 
Mm. When's the last time you did that? Okay, maybe that feels uh, like too much right now. What about just connection time? You know, who, how are you connecting with? Right, reading poetry. Maybe go to a poetry slam. Mm -hmm. Maybe like hang out with somebody else that likes to read poetry. But Mm -hmm. like finding, everybody has a different entry point, but finding that entry point into something that, you know, when you see them or you hear them, like they're starting to get lit up again. You can hear it in their voice. You can see it on their face. And really, really cultivating that relationship with themselves. Because again, that's the thing that fills their cup. And when you're at that like drone phase where everything is gray, there's no color in any aspect of life, you're not showing up as a good partner, you're not mm-hmm. showing up as a good parent, you're not showing up as a good leader, mm-hmm. and you just feel cruddy all the time. So it's a right. matter of figuring out like what, how do we reconnect to what makes you feel good? How do we discover what that is at this point in your life? And going through that process of, of baby steps and curiosity and trial and error until we're able to say, like, I know who I am now. This is who I am. That's awesome. Thanks. That's awesome. And it, it's effort, right? Like, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Like, it's work. It's not hard. You know, it's not in easy. and of itself. Yeah. But I think in so many ways, you have to put it in the context of the amount of time that it took you to get where you were burned yes. out. Right? Yes. So it, it's not necessarily the quick fix. Maybe mm-hmm. for the for a few out there it is, and that's awesome. But um, I think that people should have, like, a realistic expectation. That's yeah. why, like you said about baby steps, right? You're mm-hmm. undoing a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of just beliefs, ideas, memories, mm-hmm. shared habits. experiences, like habits. habits. Exactly, yeah. right. Yeah, so. and I say that, like, every... The very first thing I say to anybody that is even considering hiring me is I don't believe in light switch change because what I want for you is for you to create sustainable change Mm -hmm. and a different way of living. And that is never done through fast or through dramatic or through anything that resembles like, you know, yelling at somebody from a stage like we're going to get, you know, this is going to be slow and deliberate and we're going to do it together. And it is going to be something that you can sustain and take with you because like you said, like, We've got decades invested into this one way of living. Right. Invest a couple of months right. into learning a different way. Exactly. And I'm laughing. You all can't see that right now, but I'm kind of smiling, laughing at, at Laura because when you mentioned those short-term light, light, uh, light switch, light switch fixes, yeah, it made me think, oh, that does explain a few unfortunate hairstyles and clothing <laughs> selections oh, that girl. I made. Oh, you know, I know. Because I was placating. Like I was yeah. medicating in oh, a way. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to go out and do this. I'm going to get myself this mm-hmm. new haircut and, and, and life will be good. And yep. it, it was not. Right. It's, it's not. the dangling carrot philosophy. Yeah. It's the I will I will feel better when. I, yes. I actually, I just wrote for this the other week. Um there's a very small nuance when you talk about like goals and you know we're recording this in early 2019 like late January sure. people are still thinking goals and resolutions right right there's a very small nuance between am i setting that goal for myself because i will feel better once i get there because i will mm. feel like if i hit this then i'll be okay then i'll be loved um, then i'll be valued or then. or mm. am i setting this goal because i believe in me and I believe that I can get there. Right. Like that's a nuance. One is very healthy, the latter. Right. Yes, <laughs> spoiler yeah, alert. Clear. <laughs> right. And one is, you know, what you and I have talked about mm-hmm. a lot, which is like, again, the hairstyles, right. the car, you know, like in that yeah. point in my life when I was burned out, like I drove the fanciest car. I had right. the Louis Vuitton bag. Right. I had all this. I had so much stuff. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Like, <laughs> it turns out it didn't do the trick. And it was very much like, oh, if I get that Louis Vuitton that my three co-workers had, then I'll be okay. Right. Then exactly. I'll feel better. I'll feel better. At least I'm rewarding myself mm-hmm. for the crappy way right. I feel right. or the, the things that I have to face right. every day. Right. right. And, uh, and it just That's becomes, right. And like, look, no lie. It does feel good for a minute. Yeah. Temporary. But it's, then it becomes, you know, right. and I, it's, 
addiction is a very strong word. I don't mean that, but there becomes right. a destination addiction, mm-hmm. right? Like you have to, so what's next, what's next. And there's never any satisfaction with what is right. Because you're always looking for what's next. And that is, a, mm-hmm. that is like instant recipe for burnout and living in the here and now living in the present. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm just becoming such a believer in yeah. that. Right. Don't focus on the past so much. Don't focus on the future so much, but this self kindness is something you can do in the present mm-hmm. moment all the time mm-hmm. right it's just something you just have to bring your attention back to and right. say is is this kindness is good for me mm-hmm. right and i think that's great awareness for people to have and i like to build a toolkit like i oh, like to help my clients like it's a, a toolkit tool right like yep. it's not like my toolkit is different than kelly's toolkit is different mm-hmm. than you know our husband's toolkit or right. you know friends toolkit. to be clear like, it's not all that different because <laughs> the more laura and i are together the more we find we really are just or very one person people, yeah, we're like exactly. twins separated at birth and, uh, <laughs> and time <laughs> but yeah but yeah, once you figure out what your personal toolkit is, and then it's like, so it's kind of like, okay, let's identify the the things that make you go into that place right. of burnout. Let's identify the things that bring you out of that that make you feel good. Right. So then you know when you're at risk, and you know where to go to pull something out to like bring you out of that place. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So, Laura, this is the point in our podcast where before I let you go, <laughs> I do want to ask you um, a bigger question around, and this is something my husband's fond of saying, suspend disbelief. Mm. Pretend that money and time are no objects. Yeah. What's the vision for kindness mm-hmm. in in our personal lives, in business, mm-hmm. maybe even in the world. But yeah. what, what's your vision for if if you could if you could flip the light switch, mm-hmm. right? What would that look like? Wave the magic wand, whatever analogy you feel comfortable with. Yeah. What's the big vision for kindness? So I realized, and, and how I started transitioning into you know kind of like larger company work in addition to the individual work was I just realized I was like, gosh, I'm really good at getting people past burnout. Right. I'm really good when somebody comes to me and I can get them past it, can get them back on the right track. I want to get underneath of it. I want to get into companies. I want to help them create cultures and I want to help create leaders that don't foster cultures of burnout. So my big vision is companies that are led by people who understand if their employee is out for a walk for five minutes, that that's actually in the best service of the business. That is in the highest, best good of the business. If they have an employee who takes a sick day, they're not chastised when they walk back in the next day. Mm -hmm. If they have a PTO policy, the expectation isn't that you will work through that whole PTO. So Mm -hmm. That's or that they will of, schedule meetings for you to attend while you're on your PTO, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Knowing it's blocked off on your calendar, right. which they can see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. Gotcha. Like that we start to create, first of all, leaders who exemplify this. Like it's a personal problem. You know, mm-hmm. on, um, so my corporate website is laurahecock.com. And one of the things I say is, you know, in a kindness culture, we believe in talking to each other, not about each other. Mm-hmm. We believe in giving, you know, everyone an equal seat at the table. We believe that what's good for the individual is good for the company. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't shame people for, you know, taking care of their their physical and emotional selves. Right. Like all of these things create cultures that, you know, as Kelly, you and I talk about all the time, these things are actually having a positive impact on the bottom line. Like right. we have to get ourselves, again, it's questioning that story. Same work mm-hmm. as an individual applies mm-hmm. to the larger. Question the story of, is the person whose butt is in the seat the longest in every day really your most productive? Or is it possibly the person that you're kind of giving side eye to because they skate in at nine and they skate out at 4.30, but man, their numbers are through the roof. Beautiful. Why are we valuing 
the old mm-hmm. mentality that is literally leading us all to be the, you know, sickest, most medicated, overweight society that's ever existed on the planet. Right. Why are we valuing that? Why right. can't we question that? Let's bring in some of these kinds of principles. Let's create cultures led by leaders that are valuing these things and working towards health. I like that. Thanks. Healthier. Right. Stronger. Mm-hmm. More creative, innovative. Yeah, exactly. More dedicated. You know, all the research supports all this. We could, I mean, we could yak about research and things for hours but and I, I mean, could yeah exactly we could <laughs> so we've demonstrated um but it's just it's a matter it's just change and change right. takes time like i tell my clients change comes in baby steps so mm-hmm. my baby step contribution to what i want to see for my suspended disbelief vision is yes. either working with a leader one at a time to help them get past burnout or working with a small company to help them create a culture that supports this kind of thinking i love it well, Laura, I have to say thank you for being with us today. <laughs> Thanks I really for having do me. Appreciate that. And I do. Laura mentioned her website, and I I'll just say that is L A R A Heacock. So yep. LaraHeacock.com. dot com. Where you can find her there. You can also find her on our podcast website, mm-hmm. DoingGoodBusiness.com. LinkedIn, Facebook, all the usual places. All the usual places. And if you want some daily kindness, head to Kind Over Matter. We've got a whole bunch of different writers every day. I write every Monday in the Monday Motivator column, but we have amazing people bringing their kind of kindness to the world over there, too. Love it. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Kel. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. And we would love to hear from you. Send your comments, your questions, suggested topics to podcast at doinggoodbusiness.com. If you'd like, visit our website of the same name, doinggoodbusiness.com. Remember, you can always rate and review us wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. Feel free to share it. Until next time, we encourage you to take one small step toward doing good business.